Welcome back to another episode of Nothing But Net presented by Deep Dive Sports. We are now into the NBA Conference Finals. Um, So we are going to definitely touch on those Conference Finals and a little bit how we got there uh, in the last round in the Conference Semis. And I have myself, Evan, Nick, and David on today. So we're just going to hop right to it um, and talk about these series. So I guess first we'll start with the game one that happened uh, first, which was Nuggets versus Lakers. Um, but first, to start off, we can talk a little bit, bit about how we got to this series, which was the Nuggets beating the Suns in six games. Um, so touching on that, I mean, for me, it was pretty much that once Devin Booker wasn't going nuclear anymore, that was kind of all the Suns had, and uh, they kind of <laughs> lost their steam. And it's also really tough for the Suns. They already ended up firing their head coach, Monty Williams, for this, but it's the second straight year that the Suns in these closeout games or potential elimination games where they just get embarrassed. Um, last year against the Mavericks, they lost by 33. This year, they lost by 25 to the Nuggets. Both those games were at home. Um, so, yeah, that was just pretty embarrassing for them. Um, but what were your guys' thoughts on that Nuggets versus Suns? I mean, clearly, Kevin Durant didn't show up when he needed to, which is kind of on point for him as of late, mainly because the only time he ever had the chance to ever win a, well, the only time he actually won a, an NBA Finals was when he joined the Golden State Warriors. It, it's not the only time he had a chance at winning one because he went with Oklahoma City when he was still with Russell Westbrook and James Harden there. Didn't take care of business then, but granted he was facing a LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Brock, Chris Bosch-led Miami Heat team at that time. So no one really blamed him then. But yeah, it, I think this hurts his legacy most most of all. Um, but we'll have to wait and see until next season. Because like we said before, they they operated on such a short schedule. Yeah, and he definitely did not have a great series. Um, it was surprising to me. I mean, Devin Booker was having a great playoffs the whole playoffs long. But it was surprising to me that he was really the only guy you know keeping them in this series. And KD didn't you know step up more um don't know if that was a personal thing or a coaching decision you know um but that was surprising to me uh do you have any other thoughts on it nick um yeah i mean just a lot of <clears throat> i agree with david i mean listen kevin durant's like i guess on paper and and what we've seen him do you know he he can be one of the most skilled scorers in the league but he just it you would have wanted him to take over a little bit more like Devin Booker can only do so much, and I feel like by the time they got to that series, he was probably a little gassed. So, and and then the Nuggets are probably the best team in basketball at this point. You know, with Jokic probably being the best player in the NBA this year. Um, so I just I don't know. I think he was gassed. You didn't get enough from Chris Paul. You didn't get enough from DeAndre Ayton. I don't know how much that was DeAndre Ayton's fault 
or whether or not they just didn't utilize him well because you would think between the three of those guys, you could run the pick and roll DeAndre Ayton all day long, and I just mm-hmm. don't know if they did that enough because um, he, he, he should have ate. You know what I mean? I think... But again, I think it boils down to you have Devin Booker and you have Kevin Durant. You have Devin Booker, who's probably top 10 scorer in the league at this point, And Kevin Durant is supposed to be this perennial, like, all-star, Hall of Famer. Some people have him in their top 10 already of basketball players all time. But uh, like David said, he just doesn't show up. And I think he's probably, since 2000, I would say he's got to be, like, top 10 most overrated superstars that we've seen in the league. Um, He just... I think if he never joined the Golden State Warriors, I don't think he has a ring. I don't. Um, and that's not saying he's not a good player. I just I don't think he's a guy that can turn it to the next gear. And I think he wants to rely on other people to do it for him. Um, and then, you know, I, I think those two finals MVPs that he has are kind of conflated because I don't know. It just that team was so stacked. Like he was gonna get his regardless and I, I don't know. It's definitely like an interesting thing to to think about, but we'll see what they do. I have a feeling Aiton and Paul will be out next year and they got their coach fired, which I think was a bad decision. I like Monty Williams, but we'll see what happens. I think the, unfortunately, I don't think Devin Booker is going <laughs> to win a ring with Kevin Durant. And uh, I don't think Kevin Durant wins another one. So I just think, like I said, I think he's probably one of the most overrated superstars that we've had since 2000. Um, and that's just because I don't think he has the ability to click it into the next year when it matters most. Yeah, I think that's fair at this point. And I also think one of the the big things with him, you know, compared to some of these other guys like LeBron, like Steph Curry, or even like we've seen Jimmy Butler elevate his team is that he's just not a vocal leader. He's not like he might be the best player on your team, but in a lot of those teams, you've never heard of him as being, you know, the leader in the locker room. And so mm-hmm. even even now when, you know, Devin Booker is still a relatively young guy, at least compared to Kevin Durant, it seems like Devin Booker was the leader of that team. Um, of course, once Chris Paul went out with injury. Um, so it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's something that they always say, something that can't always be taught is that leadership aspect of it. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be, I think we know it doesn't have to, you don't have to be the most vocal guy to be that leader. But for some reason, it doesn't seem like Kevin Durant is that guy that can just like lead his team, galvanize his unit. Um, I don't know. We just haven't seen that from him yet. So Durant reminds me a lot of like, he's like the Aaron Rodgers of the NBA. Like the dude Mm -hmm. that probably has over the years you've seen, he, he has the most talent. Like he has the ability to be the best at what he does. Um, and during the regular season, you look at him and you're like, oh my gosh, like once they get to the playoffs, if he can kick it up another gear, even if he plays the same way that he's been playing, like dude, this is a championship caliber team. And they get to the playoffs and he somehow plays worse, not better. He's not able to galvanize the guys, like you said, around him. He's just not that leader type. And they they don't do anything. Like you would think with Kevin Durant on your team, and as much as people say how good he is and where he should be on the all-time list, like he should have more rings than what he has. And he should have been able to win rings without joining literally the best team. One of the best teams that we've ever seen in the NBA. Like I just, I think it's insane at this point that we even put him in a category of top 10. I mean, I could concede maybe talent alone. And because he has the two championships, you could, you could make an argument for top 20 at this point. But I just, like I said, I, I, it, it is crazy how, 
how he's just unable to to be a superstar. You know what I mean? Like he's labeled a superstar, but he's just he just finds a way not to be a superstar when it matters. And I think that's I don't know, that's that's his legacy. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting, like you said, to see where the Suns go from here. Um, I do agree what you with what you said, David, and what we've talked about in previous episodes. You know, the Suns were kind of put together on the fly this season. They just really got this team together at the trade deadline and then Durant missed time. It was something like uh, Booker, Chris Paul, Aiton, and Durant, I think only played like eight games together before the playoffs started. So definitely they have, t- they have more time to gel. Um, but it- it'll be interesting to see what they do if they do move Chris Paul or DeAndre Aiton. I don't know what you're getting back in those cases. Probably just more depth, which is kind of what they needed um, at points in this series. And also... Kind of, a, I agree with you, Nick, in that I don't think it was the best decision to fire Monty Williams. Uh, just based off of, I mean, yeah, there's some different coaches out there that, you know, a lot of teams have been firing their coaches that are disappointed, but I feel like he was the guy that really set this culture for them. And from all accounts, he was like part of the reason why Kevin Durant wanted to come there. Um, so it, it's interesting to see where they go there. I think the only big upgrade they could make. There are some reports that they've tried to that they're going to try to lure Ty Lue away from L.A. Um, I think that could be an upgrade because we've seen Ty Lue has been good at making in-game adjustments. He has championship pedigree, um, you know, and and coaching a player in LeBron and that team to a championship. So that could be that could be interesting. But I also wanted to touch on just a couple stats that I saw that really summed up this series. Yeah, go ahead, David. How much of it actually was Ty Lue and how much of that was actually LeBron? Because I, mean, I think a lot of it was LeBron, but... I don't think gotta... Ty Lue deserves the credit that he gets considering that he has... The, when the one championship that he had is also largely led by LeBron. He's also he's also never been the head coach of a team that has had less than two... Like two people have been considered superstars within the league. Like mm. he had LeBron and Kyrie... And then he had Kevin Love as a third option. And then now with the Clippers, he has Kawhi and Paul George, who are considered superstars pretty much within the league. So I think it would be if he were to go to the Suns, like I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I think he definitely is. He's one of those guys that's just really good at managing the the personas in the locker room pretty much. Um, but it would be interesting to see if he's handed a team like like the Rockets or like Charlotte or like the Magic and to see what he actually does with that. Um, and to see what kind of coaching he is like, I think Milwaukee would be a, a good test for him because obviously they have Giannis, but that's pretty much it. Right. He's actually got a coach because the rest of the team has to be able to to still play when you only have one actual like perennial superstar on your squad. So I don't know, like I, I think he would be a good fit there because he can manage the egos in the room. But I mean, other than that, I don't know if the X's and O's are really what teams bring him in for at this point. Yeah. Which is fine with me considering that is kind of what you do as kind of like the head coach, especially like in the NFL, you're, you're really the ego manager and the real like head coaches are your offense and defensive coordinators. Yeah. And in the NBA, there's so many assistant coaches now. They, they just Mm. continue to grow. It seems like every year. Um, So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that'd be interesting. And I also think it's hard to judge him. It's hard to say that he's disappointed with the Clippers because yes, he's had Kawhi and Paul George, almost all these playoff runs, at least one of them, if not two of them have been hurt. So, and that's without saying the load management that they've had during the regular season, which puts, you know, makes it hard on a head coach to be able to figure out rotations and things like that. So it would be interesting to see 
Um, I think him go to another team with another star, but I don't think he would leave. Uh, like you were saying, Nick, I don't think he'd leave the Clippers for just any team, like, <laughs> you know, any of these rebuilding teams or anything like that. I mean, I could see him going to the Suns only because when you look at the Clippers, I mean, you have those two guys, like I said, people consider them superstars within the league. I would say if I made a list of most disappointing superstars, along with Kevin Durant, those two would make it as well, too. Um, just because it, Paul George, again, sucks in the postseason. Kawhi can't stay healthy. Um, obviously, he'd be tough to put on that list just because of what he's actually done in the mm -hmm. postseason. He's actually, when he's healthy, he's performed. Um, but just disappointing-wise, because he can't, he never plays in the regular season. And then when the postseason comes around, he's not available. So that's like a tough thing when you look at him that way. So I could see him maybe being like, this sucks. Like, I don't yeah. want to be on this ride anymore. I'll go see if I can make it work in Phoenix. And I think that'd be a good destination for him. And that'd probably be his best opportunity to win a championship unless LeBron loses this year. And he's like, yo, get, get ham up out of here. And Ty Lue comes to coach the Lakers. But um, I don't know if he'd do that because of the, the optics of it <laughs> yeah yeah um two stats that i think really uh exemplify what this series was and one is on on the nuggets side we haven't talked a lot about them yet we talk a lot about the suns but the nuggets really were amazing uh especially offensively they just shot the lights out and in this series uh Jokic became the third player in nba history to average a 30 point triple double throughout an entire playoff series um which is pretty impressive uh, we see with Jokic a lot of a lot of these, you know, he's it's him and one other guy and Wilt Chamberlain in, in some of these stats. So that's impressive. But I, the one that I think really uh, was what the series boiled down, down to is that the Suns were 0-4 in this series. So all four of their losses when Devin Booker didn't shoot 78% or better. So they had to have Devin Booker shoot 78% or better for them to win a game in this series. And that's kind of what it boiled down to because that's just really not sustainable for for any NBA player <laughs> um moving on to the other side of how we got here um which is the Lakers in that they beat the Golden State Warriors in six games uh in the other side of the Western Conference semifinals couple things about this series it was the most watched NBA conference semifinals in 27 years which isn't particularly surprising given the star power that was on display with LeBron versus Curry uh AD and all of those guys um, and I think this one was an interesting series in this Braun versus Steph rivalry because it was a role reversal um, from their finals matchups. It was really this time that LeBron had the deeper team um, and Steph was the one that, you know, didn't have as much help. Um, and I, again, in this case, it, it went to the team that was deeper in this case with the Lakers beating the Warriors in six. Um, but Nick or David, do you have any thoughts about that Lakers Warriors series? I, I do. I'll go first. I actually want to disagree with you on the deeper fact. I think that the supporting cast for the Warriors just didn't show up. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> when you when you look, compare them, like obviously you have LeBron and Steph, and then you'd have AD and Clay. so there's like your big two on each team. Um, Outside of that, like the guys that LeBron had to get, I mean, you still have D. Russ, who's like, I don't even know what you would say. He's like, what, maybe like top 20 at his position at this point? Like, I think he's he's all right, but I don't know if he's a guy that's going to be like set over the edge. Like I think like Jordan Poole has so, shown more flashes in his career to be better than what D'Angelo Russell is. You know, plus the Warriors stuff, Andrew Wiggins that they just barely use. They have Draymond Green, you know, they have Kaminga, but those guys they just didn't show up. I think that's like the biggest thing is like 
Steph could only do so much, and I feel like the Lakers knew that. I think that was their game plan. They're like, yo, mm-hmm. let Steph go off. Like, who really cares at this point? You know, because you have Clay, who, what, like, I think three games in a row had less than, like, 10 points or something like that. You know, Jordan Poole just didn't show up. Um, obviously, they they don't use Andrew Wiggins, I think, maybe the way that they could, and Draymond's not a guy who's going to get you buckets anymore. <laughs> so he's just going to trash talk and play some good defense, and, and that's pretty much all that he's good for at this point. So, and they're young guys. They just, the guys that they drafted just didn't hit, um, unfortunately for them. And, you know, I think the, the biggest thing going forward for the Lakers and that you saw in this series is whether or not Austin Reeves is going to be that, like, third guy on that. Which is weird to talk about because <laughs> I don't think like the three years ago if you would ask like yo is Austin Reeves gonna be the third best player on the Lakers <laughs> I don't know if we'd ever agree. The question to that. is who is Austin Reeves? <laughs> that would have been the answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh-huh. <laughs> so, but he's definitely turned himself into like that like Tyler Hero kind of where did this guy come from and now he's you know potentially um, like I said the third option you know probably with D Russ but um, if if those guys are are both hitting and Vanderbilt's playing really good defense and Bridges is scoring like 15 points a night, like that's a good supporting cast. I do agree that I think this is probably the better supporting cast the Lakers have had since they won the championship, that trade deadline. Like I, I told you guys, that trade deadline, that was nice for them. <laughs> when that all happened, I was like, I feel like this is going to be good for them. So I don't know if they're going to be able to get past the Nuggets. That's a whole different, we'll talk about that in a bit. But I did, I like that series. I thought it was kind of dumb. A lot of people saying if Steph beats LeBron that Stephen A. Smith was like, Steph would take LeBron's play, place on Mount Rushmore. And I'm like, you're on crim- That dude is <laughs> loud and annoying. But I do think that it was, I think honestly, between that series and then this series with the Lakers and the Gets, I think that's your like, that's your championship. Playoffs. I think like I like the teams in the East. I like the Celtics. But I think between those three teams, those were three of the best teams in the playoffs. It doesn't matter where they were seated at this point. Um, I think though these will be two of the best series that will, and then this Miami Celtics pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, I'd have to agree that this was more of just a a, a factor of supporting cast. Both actually had decent supporting casts. It's just that Golden State's supporting cast just didn't show up. And I saw that I think it was on Twitter. Several players on. Golden State's roster and Steve Kerr were like, yeah, this was not a playoff-ready team. And while, yes, the supporting cast is decent, I'd have to agree. This was not the strongest Golden State that we ever saw. Yes, this is probably the end of an era for Golden State with Steph, Clay, and Draymond Green uh, all getting up there in age. Not to to interrupt, though, but I did have a question. Because I know know he said that it wasn't a playoff-ready team. But my question is, how different really is that team from last year's championship? Like, that's pr- it was pretty much the same team. It, I mean, it was pretty much the same team, but how healthy was the team throughout I mean, the season? They, they were, but in the playoffs, they were all healthy. Like, I mean, I think one thing he said too during the quote was, I think the quote was like, we were not a championship level team. We were barely over 500 all year long. Um, and I think that was his way of saying, like, these guys need to play better, be more consistent during the regular season because that stuff's going to show up in the playoffs if you just coast through the regular season um, because they did have a lot of the same guys, but like Wiggins, um, obviously that was a, a personal matter, but he wasn't able to be with the team for a lot of the regular season. Um, and it seems like, you know, they just didn't 
we talked about their road record during the regular yeah. season. I think they just didn't they they kind of put one of those performances of we're going to coast through the regular season and see what happens. And I think it affected them. And I think even I think Draymond's even admitted this too that their chemistry issues in the off season uh, affected the chemistry of the team. And um, you know it's hard when you're in those. Obviously, none of us have been in these big of moments in sports, but you know, one thing you hear a lot from players is about having the ultimate trust in your teammates, right? And if there's, if you're looking over your shoulder and there's a guy who punched you in the face in the off season, <laughs> I don't know. Are you able to have the ultimate trust in them? I, I think that was kind of what Kerr was saying in that, like, I think he was trying to send a message to his players that like, we need to focus in and lock in for all, you know, from now until next mm-hmm. playoffs to be able to have a chance to get back to the you know top of that mountain. I mean, it's just it's just it's just crazy when you think about like <clears throat> like pros not being able to learn like that. Like I I don't know. Like I said, I mean you have the same the same dudes that contributed to the championship last year were on the squad. I mean, and I I think I think honestly the biggest thing was that Clay Thompson didn't show up. I think if yeah. Clay Thompson played to what he's able to play to, I think the Warriors win this just because the game. It's not like the games were blowouts. Like it's not like the Lakers were blowing out the Warriors. Like. There were still some close games, like, but then you have Clay who's shooting two for twenty-one. Like, you can't, you can't win that way when the guy who's supposed to be your second best scorer on the team is not doing. And I think that's, I think that's maybe something that I know to be crazy, like, to talk about. But going into the off season, they have to clear cap so that they don't get destroyed by the cap penalty at this point now. Um, and I know a lot of people are saying, yo, they should get rid of Jordan Poole. They should get rid of Andrew Wiggins. They shouldn't bring back Draymond Green. But I think Klay Thompson's a guy that they can shop and get some pieces back in return for him just because he hasn't been the same since the injury. He's not getting any younger, and he doesn't look like he's the guy. He's a guy that's aging well. You know what I mean? There's stars that age well. He doesn't seem like he's that guy. And if you could get him up out of there and actually get something in return for him, I know it sounds crazy, but you got to think about your window with Steph. And Clay is not the centerpiece that you build around. He was just the compliment to Steph. So I would I would look to to trade him and maybe bring in a few pieces, maybe some draft picks. You know what I mean? Try to hit on some young guys and give Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole that opportunity to be the second, third in that lineup and see what they could. Yeah, I think the reason that um, that maybe Jordan Poole is getting talked about in terms of being shopped around more is I think just because due to the fact of his age. He, he has more value. And I think like, as I'm thinking around the league, I, I think what you're saying makes sense in terms of trying to shop Clay. But I'm also thinking like, what team does Clay have more value for than the Warriors? You know, I don't know if any team is going to look at Clay and say he's he's the one who's going to take us over the top. Or, you know, these young teams, they're not going to say Clay's going to be our superstar who's going to, you know, I don't think just Clay Thompson's going to take a team from the lottery to the playoffs. So, I no, think but it's I mean, adding, like... but adding him to a team that maybe was in the playoffs that, I mean, <clears throat> where my, like Miami might be a good spot, maybe the Bulls, like I'm thinking of teams that kind of are, if they're, you know, the Bulls, if they were healthy, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're a fringe playoff team. You add a Clay Thompson to that, that squad, that might be a good, a good piece. Um, Maybe the Clippers want to try to add a third superstar. Obviously, I don't think that does well for them injury-wise, but (laughs) that seems like a move the Clippers would make. Maybe the Suns, maybe Kevin Durant's like, yo, go get me Clay," and you could put Clay and Devin Booker and, and, you know, Kevin Durant on the same team. Um, Maybe they give up a DeAndre Ayton. The Suns need a big man and maybe some picks. You know what I mean? Like, I think 
that's a total I think there's 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 teams for him. I understand that his contract is a lot and he's older, he's aging. Jordan Poole is obviously more of a of attractive piece when you talk about longevity wise, but I think that there's a market that you could go out there and you could get something good in return for him because if you wait till the trade deadline or you wait to the end of next season, you're going to be stuck with this old roster paying a ton of money and your window is going to be closed. You're not going to be able to win any more championships. With- yeah, I see what you're saying. I just, I feel like the way the Warriors value him, I feel like any offer they're going to get for him, they're going to be like, oh, that's not enough for Clay. Like, you know, he's that guy. He's He's got the four championships. And also I think of like, how would that kind of a deal affect Steph Curry's feelings on, on the, you know, on the Warriors? You got to imagine he, even though Clay's been inconsistent, I think just on the personal side of things, they've got four championships together. They've, always worked extremely well together I don't think he would want Clay to go just for you know some depth pieces or DeAndre Ayton or something like that I mean if I'm if I'm the general manager then and if I'm Steve Kerr then I sit, sit Steph in a room and I go do you want to win another ring or do you want to coast with your best friend for the rest of your career I mean that's that's literally where we're at at this point I'm not saying they're never going to win another ring together but with the the financials who you're going to have to give up the depth that you're not going to have like do you want to win another ring or do you want to play basketball for the next five years with your best friend and then retire? Are you are you cool being are you cool with this being it? You know what I mean? Like I think that's that's generally like you'll still win games, you'll still you know what I mean. You'll still sell out seats because of you two or whatever. But are you cool with this being your? That's it. Your legacy is set. You'll get some more stats. That's all you're gonna get. Is that what you're cool with? And if he is, then you ride it out. You play that like Pittsburgh Steeler mantra. Well, we'll pay the guys until they're pretty much dead. And we don't care if we win games, you know what I mean? Like, just because we want to be like, we're, you know, we're a player friendly, like, we'll go with you till the end, like the Lakers did with Kobe. Um, So, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think from, like, just a, an outside looking in, he's probably the piece that I would move and I wouldn't bring back Draymond Green. I would send him out. To, if you could trade him for something or let him go, they're going to be, they're going to want too much money to come back and not contribute the way that they do. And I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Ultimately, I think they probably bring back Clay. They probably bring Jack Draymond and they probably trade Poole. But yeah, um, because <laughs> no, I mean, no. even even like Clay had one of the best shooting seasons of his regular season in the regular season. He just got cold in the playoffs. And then, you know, Draymond obviously isn't there offensively, but he's still a great defensive player. He gave Anthony Davis a lot of struggles in this series, um, you know, until those last couple of games. So I think they'll probably look at it and say, hey, we just won this championship last year. Um, you know, these are our guys. Let's work things around the edges. But it, it will be interesting to see, especially because I believe their general manager's contract is up in, in June, Bob Myers, who has been their general manager through all their championships. So I could see if if he doesn't end up returning, I could see some more major happening, you know, if, as we see with with new general managers a lot of times come in and try to make their mark right away. It's just going to not be a fun team to watch because they're going to move Wiggins and Poole. And you're just like, at what point, what is this? Like, you just have two guys who aren't as productive as they once were. They don't show up in the playoff. Like, one can't even score anymore. Like, Draymond can't be a scorer. Like, he can't be a third option on a team. So, I mean, just what what does this team actually look like? Like, who are you going to put around these guys? Because we've seen teams who pay max dollars to three guys, and then they're just, like, minimum old. They're just old. They're just a bunch of old guys that don't have anywhere else to go. And I just don't know if that's realistically, like, I, that just it's just going to be such a sad team. I don't know. <laughs> It'll definitely be interesting to see where it goes. And um, on the other side of that series, you know, like you said, I think um, it was really 
maybe the depth was was pretty equal on paper, but the Lakers' depth and depth pieces were the ones who showed up. I mean, like you said, Austin Reeves has been huge. Rui Hachimura has just turned into basically Steph Curry from the three-point line, which is insane. Um, D'Angelo Russell had a good series. Schroeder had a good series. I mean, there's not many of those Lakers guys that didn't have a good series. The one you could maybe say would be like Jared Vanderbilt, just because he couldn't do anything offensively, but he was still playing well defensively. They just had to make the switch away from him because they were leaving him open. And Tristan Thompson kept the bench warm for all the guys when they came and sat down. So like, oh yeah, he did. You know that's that's key, right? You want to make sure those guys have a warm seat when they come back to the bench. <laughs> I think he had like career numbers: thirty high fives per game, fifteen fist yeah, bumps. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he and he, this he, was he, all he, when he was not with a Kardashian. So. <laughs> Definitely, definitely one of the best bench warm. You know, I think he averaged five warmed benches a minute. So definitely, uh, yeah, what what a legend. And doesn't have to worry about warming the floor if you ever see a Cavs and <laughs> Lopez there. LeBron was like, "You want another ring, my friend?" <laughs> He's like, "You know, I'm on ESPN, but why not? I'll I'll hop on over." <laughs> um, but I guess we'll we'll jump into what the series is now, which is Nuggets versus Lakers. Um, the Nuggets did win the first game um, and they really came out extremely, extremely hot in the first half and had huge leads. Um, But the Lakers came back in the second half uh, in large part, kind of based on their defense, they switched Marie Hachimura onto Jokic and kind of had AD just playing that free safety roaming, uh, you know, getting in passing lanes type of role. And that really brought them back. And ultimately they brought the game to within three uh, with a couple minutes left, but um, the Nuggets did end up taking the first game. But based off of the first game and and what we've seen so far in the playoffs, where do you guys think this series is going? Um, you know, in terms of who do you think is going to win, uh, how many games, and and what do you think maybe are some of the keys? While I still think it could go either way, I don't think there is like one dedicated team because the Lakers are creative and who in both offensive and defensive schemes and whatnot. And like you mentioned, they switched AD and the other guy around uh, to guard the Joker. And so I, th- in, I think in the end, Denver will still prevail and go to the finals. Um, but I, I don't want to count out the Lakers just yet because it is LeBron at the end of the day. And so I just don't know how well the rest of the supporting cast can come up and actually do what they need to do. Uh, Cause that's what I think is going to come down to is just the supporting gaps again. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think, I think it's going to come down to the supporting cast and, and both of these teams supporting casts have been great in the playoffs. You know, we talked about the Lakers and their guys, but the nuggets they've had, um, you know, guys like Michael Porter jr. Played well on both sides of the floor, which is kind of surprising. He was a really bad defender earlier in his career. Um, Bruce Brown has been really good for them off the bench. Um, of course they have Jamal Murray as that second star. Um, and they've had Aaron Gordon play well as well. And even old man, uncle Jeff green has had really good showings for them, which, uh, you know, thinking about like a couple years back, I kind of thought Jeff green mm-hmm. was, was done and, and here he is, uh, doing his thing. I wish he could have been playing like this when he was on the Cavs way back when, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be about the supporting cast. And I ultimately think it's going to be about which which team can win on the road. Because both of these teams, I believe both these teams are undefeated at home in the playoffs so far. And, and they both have really good home court advantages 
with of course Denver having that altitude that you know mm-hmm. is tough to play in if you're not used to it and the Lakers just having that crazy uh, fan base that they have at, at crypto.com so I think you know if the Lakers can get one of these early games on the road or you know if Denver goes up 2-0 and can get one of those games back in LA I think that'll really set the tone for the rest of the series first I, I hated you saying crypto dot it didn't even like it didn't even come out like it's just such I, a sad time man <laughs> what the heck? that's the name yeah. that's the name I, I know people call it staples but still Whatever. but it yeah it's, it's so still the staple center so stupid it's like when the Steelers change the back or whatever <laughs> idiots um you forgot about KCP man on the night I did you're absolutely right I did <laughs> he actually had a really good game one when I was looking at the stats I was like wait KCP's on the nuggets what the <laughs> he's been huge for them he's been huge for them yeah I, I think you guys kept saying the role players, and I do think they're important because I do think the Nuggets have, like, I think outside of Jokic, like, they're supporting cast. Like, I, I like Murray, but I don't know if we really want to count him as, like, a superstar. I think he's probably, like, at that, like, where, like, Kevin Love was for the Cavs. You know what I mean? Like, he's a really good player. He could be a really good option for, you know, a team at re- maybe three. But I think when you talk about their full supporting cast, you know, behind Jokic, I think they probably have the best supporting cast in the NBA, and that's what makes them such an efficient team. Um, and it's almost like when you look at the the Bucks, I think the Nuggets and the Bucks have this method where they're like, we're gonna get one like top five guy who's just phenomenal at what he does, and we're just gonna use the rest of that money instead of getting two other top five guys who we think, and just spread that money around and get like a ton of like really good solid role players. And I think that's what they've done, and they've done that well. Um, but I think what is really going to win this series for the Lakers, they're just going to have to slow down Jokic because it's not just him scoring points. It's the way he runs the offense that really gets them going. It's almost like if you're able to mess up LeBron's vision and get him to turn the ball over a lot, that's when you kind of see his teams lose games. You know what I mean? Which is not normal. Like it's not going to be an easy thing to stop Jokic from doing what he's doing, but I think they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to have, affect his vision they're going to have to affect his efficiency and i think if they do that then they'll do just enough like kind of what they did to get back in that game but they're gonna have to do that for all 48 minutes and i just don't know if that's possible but i i think this goes seven games and like you said i think it's going to come down to if somebody could win on the road and that's going to be if the lakers can win on the road in game seven um and i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with it and say i know i had them versus the grizzlies in the western conference finals Obviously, that didn't happen, <laughs> but um, I still think that they make it to the finals. Um, I I love this. I love this bubble rematch that we got going on. <laughs> I think I think so much disrespect was said about these final four teams, especially the Heat and the Lakers. You know, over the past couple of years since the bubble, like you know that was a fluke. They couldn't do it, and so much disrespect was put on Jimmy Butler and LeBron and AD. And I just think those guys are going out there, and they're just like we don't. We don't care if it's bubble, not bubble, ocean, sky. We don't. We don't care. We're gonna win games, um, and I just think that I, I really, I really do think that they're gonna win. I hope that they win. I kind of want, I kind of want LeBron to get another one, um, just because, just to shut up all the haters. I don't know. I'm not one of those like. Can I also what? Say something? Uh, Anthony Davis is finally somewhat breaking the anthony day-to-day davis thing don't don't jinx it man. <laughs> knocking on wood here i got my wood desk i'm knocking right now <laughs> but no I, I i'm just not one of those like cleveland fans who like hates lebron for you know what i mean i think that some some people get 
their feelings hurt a little bit, but they don't <laughs> understand like really what was going on behind the scenes and what he was dragging through every single season before he mm-hmm. left the first time. So um, I'm I'm all here for the success. Obviously, it's going to be I think this right here is is your NBA finals Lakers versus Nuggets. Um, I think these two teams, whoever comes out of it wins the finals. Not that I want to discredit the the Celtics or the Heat, but I do think whichever team wins the most just because of of how good and how deep these two teams are that we've talked about. And their contributors are some of the best. You know what I mean? I know the Celtics have a lot of good contributors too, but they've been wishy-washy. Even even Jason Tatum has been (laughs) wishy-washy. And you kind of look at that team and you're like, I'm just not super confident in that. Um, Obviously, they could catch fire, but who knows? So, yeah, I think it comes down to a game seven. See if LeBron can pull it off in Denver. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's huge. And uh, like you said, yes, I think it like, I think it's a combination. I think it is going to be come down to the role players. And I think it's going to come down to that Jokic versus Anthony Davis matchup too. Um, In game one, Anthony Davis had 40 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, three steals, and two blocks. Still wasn't the best player in the game because Jokic had 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists, and two blocks, which, you know, you, I, at first I look at that and say, Jokic can't have a game that good again. They only won by six. So, you know, you think, oh, maybe that favors the Lakers. But I don't know. Jokic, Jokic just keeps doing this, especially this this playoff run. So, I don't know. I'm not going to doubt either of them. And I know, I know I picked the Nuggets to go to the finals before the playoffs. But I, I kind of lean with you, Nick, right now. I kind of lean toward the Lakers just because I think they have a little bit more in terms of, um, I don't know, just – just LeBron as, as the leadership aspect, we've seen him time and time again, elevate players that, you know, maybe aren't actually like as good as they, they actually play with LeBron. And I just think I'm not going to bet against LeBron anymore. Um, but at the same time, I'm so torn. Cause I'm like, I don't want to get against Jokic based on what he's done this playoffs. But I think, I think I'm with you right now. I think that I'd pick the Lakers in seven. I think I could actually see the Lakers maybe, winning this this next upcoming game to tie the series um and then it essentially uh, going you know maybe back to where denver wins one on the road and then like you said uh lakers ultimately end up winning that that game seven but uh this is going to be a super super good series already had a great game one so excited to see how everything turns out and as we were talking about the Celtics that kind of brings us over to to their side the Eastern Conference side of of the bracket um which is right now Celtics versus Heat which Heat actually lead 1-0 as the eighth seed um and to get here we had the Celtics beating 76ers in seven games um it was a great series uh like you said with Jason Tatum being up and down and that came seven he was definitely up had 51 points, broke like the two-week-old record for most points in a game seven that Steph Curry set against set against the Kings. Um, and and the Sixers uh, ultimately had a pretty disappointing performance. I think Embiid had something like 15 points. Um, Harden had a disappointing game, um, and that kind of sent that them home and <laughs> sent Doc Rivers uh, packing as well. I think they almost fired him. It didn't come out till like the next day, but I'm like. Did they even let that man get back on the plane? I don't know. <laughs> that, was, that, that was another bad didn't too. Like the the Bucks, the Bucks firing their head coach, Sixers firing their head coach, Suns firing their head coach, and then who was the fourth team? The Raptors. The Raptors. I, I'm okay with that one, but like, because I mean they weren't really. They were kind of up base, so that you could see that coming. But the other three, you're just like, 
you know, like, yeah, I don't, that's, I, I no can see job security for NBA head coaches. No, it, I mean, <laughs> I, I could see the sun just because you look at Monty Williams and you're like, you've been bounced like three times bad, like bad. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, but at the end of the day, it's just like, you're, I don't know. It's good. And last time I checked, they've, every time the 76ers have gone to a game seven, they've lost the game seven game. At least in yeah, this memory. year, I think they went 2019 when uh, wasn't wasn't that like Doc Rivers stat? Like he was he has zero he has zero game seven wins in the playoffs or something, something crazy. Like I was, was like, <laughs> I was like, how? What? <laughs> there was some stat that I saw. Yeah, here we go. I, I just found it. Doc Rivers, when his team has three wins in a playoff series, so, you know, only needs one more win to close it out. His career record is 16 and 33. So he's won 32% of games where he's he has three wins in a playoff series, which is crazy because you got to think that includes like, you know, first round matchups and, and things like that. So I, I think that's ultimately what it came down to for Philadelphia. Like, man, I don't know. This, this guy just seems to and fall apart. He's been a part of some, like, with some good players. Like, I mean, we just go back to the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Boston. I mean, like, and then you go to the Clippers and you have freaking Blake Griffin and DeAndre, not DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, there you go. Chris Paul. Paul. I mean, you just, like, and then you go to the Sixers, and I know James Harden is not what he once was, but, I mean, you have Joel, you have the MVP on your team, like, can't get it done. I mean, that's, it, it. it is telling. I mean, I'm wondering, does he get a shot or does he maybe have to wait a couple of years before he gets another shot? Be interesting. I think he's one of those guys that, that might have to wait a couple of years. I think like looking at those coaches on the on what they would call, you know, the coaching carousel, I could see Bonnie Williams. I could see him getting another job, um, mm-hmm. you know, in this cycle. I think some people have talked about, you know, the Bucks even hiring him, which is funny because they're, they had Budenholzer who actually beat the Suns and Monty Williams a couple of years back, but I could see them or or even the Sixers going after Monty Williams just because the reputation he has, you know, with players. Um, and I could see Nick Nurse getting getting a job from the Raptors right away because even though they had a disappointing season, he still has won that championship in Toronto. Um, of course, he had Kawhi, but he he did a really good job coaching that team. Um, so I could see him getting getting one of those jobs quick but yeah. it's, it's interesting is it like are these guys just gonna all switch teams is <laughs> you know this I, off season yeah i i guess i guess outside of like the bucks and the suns like would doc rivers really want the other two jobs like i mean he's, he's obviously not getting the sixers job so it, it, then it would mm-hmm. just be toronto but i mean does he is that a job that he even wants like that's, that's i would question. maybe even wait i don't know that's goofy man yeah i guess you're just gonna see the other three guys just kind of switch teams yeah yeah, and Becky Becky Hamlin's not getting a job in the NBA because she's making fun of pregnant people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that's something that that came out recently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, the Sixers, of course, disappointed, and um, I, the Celtics are so. I think you hit it right on the head, Nick, when you said their their depth on paper should be they should be the best team in this playoffs. Really, they should they should win the championship. Especially the fact that like they're playing this eight seed Miami Heat team. Just looking at the guys that they have, a lot of their depth players are starters on other teams, and it's like they're just so inconsistent, and they shoot themselves in the foot with a lot of times it's turnovers or just sloppy play, or sometimes their offense. You know they have a great offense, but sometimes they just go into isolation 
for no reason at all. And it's like, I think the Celtics, again, on paper, I think are the best team left, but they haven't shown that they can be consistent enough to where, you know, they, I agree. I think, I think they might get past the heat, but they haven't been nearly as consistent as the Lakers or the, the Nuggets. And this is what I'll say about Jason Tatum is like, you're talking about a guy that he's just not, he's not consistent. I think when like we go, not to compare everybody to LeBron, but when LeBron retires, I think the one thing that we're going to miss is a guy that's just consistently great. You know what I mean? There's not, there hasn't been too many guys that we've seen play in the NBA who've just been consistently great. You know, I think in this in this era in our lifetime of watching basketball, you could probably put LeBron in that category. Steph, um, you know, over the past 15 years, obviously there's probably guys before that, but you know, Jason Tatum's just if he can figure out how to be consistently great. I mean, the Celtics are a team that could win multiple championships in his time. He's only 25 years old. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy that hasn't even probably tapped into the best that he can be yet. I mean, he probably still has another year before he's like, this is my peak. This is what I am. But he needs to be consistent and it needs to be through the whole year, through the postseason. You can't score eight points and then come in and save your team in a game seven with 51 (laughs) points. I mean, I guess you can because that wins. But like, what does that really look like? You know what I mean? Because you're not always going to do that. You're not always going to be able to come in game seven and drop 51 points. If you're cold the game before, odds are you're going to be cold the next game. So you got to be able to be consistent. You got to stay consistent. And I think that's just something that this newer generation of of basketball, like this is what we're seeing. Like you can even see like Trey Young, John Morant, like these guys aren't consistent players. Like they're good when they're great. They're great. But when they're not, they're not. Um, And I just think that that's, that's what we're going to get this like volatile league at this point. I mean, look at like Jimmy Butler. Somehow Jimmy Butler does the complete opposite than what like, <laughs> You see other players doing the league where during the regular season, you're like, this is just a normal dude. And then the yeah. you're like, who, like, where, who are you? <laughs> like, what is this? He's, he's Hemi Butler. So I don't know. I just think it, the Celtics have, have to look in the mirror and really they have to decide to want to be consistent. And like you said, not turn the ball over as much. And Jason Tatum has to be, he has to be better. Um, Cause Jalen Brown is good, but he, he's not as good as J- JT's got. Yeah. And, Talking about that inconsistency, uh, these were the last conference or the last series against the Sixers. Jason Tatum scoring numbers. He had 39. Next game, he had seven. <laughs> and then he had 27, 24, 36. <laughs> all, all pretty good games. Then 19, uh, disappointing game, but, but the team won. And then he had that 51-point outburst. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, I think it's about consistency for him. And in and, and that loss to the Heat, uh, he had 30 points, which isn't bad on paper, but one for three from three. Um, I want to say had a couple. Yeah, definitely had a couple of costly turnovers there at the end of the game. Um, yeah, that like double joint. They had two double dribbles yeah. towards the end of the game. So yeah, there was um, actually in that game one. I had I found this tweet um, from Boston Celtics reporter, which was with four minutes and fifty seconds to go, the Celtics were within five points, uh, and then their possessions were. Jalen Brown missed three, Al Horford turnover, uh, Jason Tatum turnover, Brogdon makes one out of two sweet throws, Jason Tatum turnover, Jason Tatum turnover. So it's, that's, I mean, that's just how they've been. They're, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Um, and I know they're still a relatively young team, but at the same time, they have a lot of playoff experience for how young they are. They were in the finals last year, in Tatum's rookie year, they're in the conference finals. Um, so 
I don't know. It's just, it'll be interesting to see if, because I think if they can get on a consistent roll, I do think they can, they can get through the heat and I think they can win the championship. It's just, we haven't seen them do it quite yet in, in the playoffs. Yeah. They're, they're, they're knocking on the, on the door. They just need to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And like you talked about, about Miami, Jimmy Butler has been absolutely insane in these playoffs. Um, you, you hit it on the head. He just, in the regular season, he's one of those guys that, that coasts and the team did enough. And contrary to, you know, what we talked about with the Warriors, it's, it's worked for the Heat in this case. And uh, he's just gone like supernova in these playoffs. Um, but it, same thing. We've seen the Heat's role players really step up in the playoffs. Guys like, you know, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Kevin Love, um, who, Nick, I have to say, I agree with you about <laughs> the Cavs making a mistake, letting, letting Kevin Love go. Thank um, you. I don't think it would have. <laughs> I don't think it would have made the Cavs win against the Knicks. But what did the Cavs need in that series? They needed bench play. They needed shooting. They needed rebounding, and they needed ultimately someone who had been there before. You yeah. know, Jared Allen. People like to meme the quote, but Jared Allen said the lights were brighter than we expected. You know what? Good trade is <laughs> trade is behind somewhere else, so we can be just. I, I don't know. Like bye. I. <laughs> I don't know if I'm with you there, but definitely I'm with you on that Kevin no, Love, uh, uh, that Kevin Love thing. It's like but... a 20 minute argument with freaking Dom about it. Jeez. <laughs> I have I'm to bring still that with up. Dom on that. I think he would have still been a hindrance to the team, but I digress. I just, I, 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 I don't see how. I just, it's, it's so you can't tell me that he went. He, he was, he was so good for the locker room the season before. And then what he gets injured and now he's a pariah to the locker room again. Like, I just don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like they just looked at him and they were like, oh, we don't need him anyway. So my, and then he's in Miami and I'm not, he's not lighting the world on fire. Don't get me wrong. It's not like he's going mm-hmm. in there being Kevin Love of old, but he's helping them win games. Like I, he's being a, a productive guy coming off the bench. Like he, he's a guy who's been there before. And I think that like, that helps. And they don't even have Tyler Hero playing right now. Mm-hmm. And these guys are cooking people. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I don't know. And and there's a, I think there's a great possibility. We see a Kevin Love versus LeBron finals. Um, <laughs> not that it's really the Kevin Love show, but sure, sure. I, I don't know. I just, I think not that he would have put us over the top and won the Cavs a championship, but I think it would have just changed the mind because Ricky Rubio. <laughs> no offense. I like Ricky no, Rubio I mean... as like, the 13th man on a roster, but he's not galvanizing guys to win games. Yeah. I like Ricky Rubio, but he hasn't been to, to four championships and one, one, one like Kevin Love. And I know, I, I think he would have ultimately, I think the Knicks still would have won the series, but I think with Kevin Love, I think the Cavs get at least, you know, one more of those close games, whether there weren't very many close games, but game one, I know was one of them. Um, And you never know at that point, it's it's hard to say. The momentum is such a big thing in basketball. They talk about being a game of runs. I think not even just within the game, but in the playoffs. You know, once a team starts playing well in a couple of games, I think that momentum carries over. So, uh, you know, I when when it first happened, I definitely understood where the Cavs were coming from on it. But I I think it's okay to say also that uh, you know I think they made a mistake with with just letting him go. And I think you know. Sure, give him a little bit of time to heal. They they didn't have to play him right away with that injury when he wasn't shooting right, but give him some time to heal. Say, hey, we believe in you. We just want you to get right, and we think you can contribute. And I think that might have I think that might have made the di- made a little bit of difference 
um, in that series, but ultimately I don't think Cavs would have won the series either way. So I guess, I guess what, what's the, the vote? <laughs> uh, where do you guys think this is, this series is going Celtics heat, you know, he have that one Oh lead right now. Um, but where do you think things are going to go for, for the rest of the series? I think that it'll just come down to Tatum and Butler. Um, yes, the supporting cast, like I said before, for Denver and LA are there, but it comes down to consistency like you guys were talking about before. Tatum's been inconsistent in the playoffs. Uh, yes, he's made it to the finals in the conference finals as well. Uh, his first couple of years, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I know that the, the the organization has his back and whatnot, but it really comes down to them and how they can galvanize their teams. Because whereas for Denver, L.A., we already know Joker and LeBron can do that. And it was really for them, it's just their supporting cast. Can the supporting cast step up? Flip side, supporting cast is already there. They can do a decent job. However, can their leaders, Jimmy or Tatum, can actually lead them? Yeah, I, I really like, honestly, that's, I, I don't really think I could say much more. You know, I think that's an amazing comparison to, to getting in the, um, and what we for stars on each team. Like, I think Jimmy Butler has shown that he's been able to just get these guys to play at a high, he's getting himself to play at a high level. Um, <laughs> so, but it's, it's, it's contagious. And I think, I think maybe they could get Tyler hero back by the finals if they make it. Um, and that's a dangerous team. So I, I know that I predicted Lakers Celtics. I think a lot of people have that. I think a lot of people want to see that both with 17 championships. This would break the tiebreaker. <laughs> Um, this would be amazing for the league ratings wise, obviously, but I'm going to change it. I think we have a bubble rematch and I think everything within sports is just, it's storyline based and the, the Celtics Lakers storyline just seemed like it was meant to be, but you have this heat team and eights who everybody kind of wrote off, you know, obviously all the bubble talk, you know, the flukes, it's just cause it was the bubble, yada, yada, yada. They've made it to the the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're cooking people. They cook the Celtics in game one. So I think Jimmy Butler's cooking people. So I think when you look at the universe and what the universe gives us storyline-wise, I think I think we see a Lakers Heat, you know, finals reunion. And uh I think that'll be that'll be, be fun to watch if 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 Hemi Butler can continue doing what he's doing. <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean you talk about the Heat being an eighth seed, uh if they advance, if they advance, it would be the seventh seed in the West against the eighth seed in the yeah. East. In I mean, the, I, in the final, I completely <laughs> forgot that the Lakers were a seventy-two. That's it. it you know what? In the, this plan, everybody crapped on it when they. But I mean, look where we're at at this point. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it could be. You know what? The Celtics were two or three. They were two. Yeah, they were two. I mean, we could have the one and two seed. That would be boring. But there is a potential to have a seven seed versus an eight seed in the NBA finals. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened. Um, and if it has, I don't think it's happened that many times before. So it'll definitely be very interesting. And it'll kind of be interesting to see how teams take this going forward. Like, you could be an older squad with an older superstar and maybe coast a little bit throughout the season, make the plan. And just be like, yo, let's kick it into high gear at this point and make it to the finals. You know what I mean? I think that's obviously it didn't really work that well for the Warriors. I think they had their own problems. But yeah, it's it. I think it'll be I think it'll be such a fun these last couple. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And 
it would be crazy to see that. And I think that kind of comes down to, it seems like the play, the play in was a success. I mean, ultimately people say, Hey, Oh, it doesn't matter. These guys are all, they're playing to who's going to lose in the first round. And now both, both teams in the finals might come out of the play in, which is huge. And in terms of my thoughts on the series, I, I still just think the seventies or I still just think the Celtics have all the pieces that they need to get there. Um, and while they haven't been consistent, they have been consistent enough to get to get onto the next level. And so I think that ultimately they will put it together. Um, you know, especially I, I think it goes seven games and I think home court will be a huge advantage for the Celtics. I think we saw that um, in the series versus the Sixers. I think the Sixers just kind of wilted in Boston. And I think the Heat are a tougher team mentally than that, but that's a really tough place to play as well. Um, and I think more than, you know, affecting the heat, I think maybe their home crowd might just lift the Celtics up just, just enough to get over um, that edge. But I think it could be very similar to, to last year's Eastern Conference Finals, where the Celtics won in seven games against the heat. And the only difference was a missed Jimmy Butler three-pointer. Um, so I, I think it, I think it will be very close. I think the Celtics just have the, I think they do have all the pieces that they need to at least get past this matchup, but I don't, I don't know if it's good looking good for them. If, if they get past that, like we talked about, I think they've just been too inconsistent this year. Um, but who knows? We'll see where they go. <laughs> um, like regardless, you said, it's going to be a lot LeBron of fun. Is, LeBron in seven, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron in seven. I, uh, I don't want to spend like too much time on it, but I do know like people have talked about where would this rank in terms of LeBron's if he were to go all the way and win the championship the, this year, based on the two and ten start that they had, where would you, where would this rank in terms of his championships or like even his you know greatest moments? I think probably the second one because if he does win, this is already on a storied franchise as it is, and everyone just knows that even without LeBron, the Lakers still have a chance of winning a championship. Whereas the the Cavaliers don't always have that because they're a smaller market and they're not going to attract a, a Giannis or uh, a player like Giannis or something like that. Uh, Giannis is in milk. I think. <laughs> he was drafted by that team. I but... know, but if he was drafted by the Cavs, he would stay in Cleveland. He's loyal. <laughs> <laughs> but my point still stands. Cleveland's I... not an attractive, an attractive team to come That's to. for us. <laughs> Oh, I mean, don't give me. I'm sorry, that was very point. <laughs> she said, if David's not in Cleveland, they're getting all the free agents. <laughs> don't get me wrong, that is a fair point. <laughs> no, I I agree though. I think it would be, I think it'd be a, another amazing story, um, especially considering that they were so far out of the playoffs at at one point this series this season. But I don't think anything could top 3-1 comeback against the greatest record of all time in the regular season for your hometown team. I don't think anything could top that. I think I, I think this would line up like in his greatest all-time achievements. I think as of right now, if they win the championship, it would be because I do agree. I think one is that championship they won in Cleveland. I think two is the first championship they won at Miami just because it was his first one. And I think that that means something to him um, and his fans. I think number three is when he passed, um, when he was, not even talk, um, when he became number one all-time scoring list. Oh, and yeah, then number true. four, I think, would be this championship if he was able to. 
um, just because of what they've been able to do. Also, what this season was for him. And I think even even if they lose in the Western Conference Finals, I think even, unfortunately, if he were to lose in the finals, I think a lot of people want to put a lot of those losses on him. And yes, he's the leader. He's going to get it. It's like the quarterback on any team. You know what I mean? If Tom Brady mm-hmm. had lost all of his Super Bowls except for three or whatever, everybody would be like, wow, that's a failure. But the the rate at which he's been playing the past couple years, and if you talk about a guy who could have stayed healthy, I mean, we're talking MVPs the past. I mean, that's he's been that. So I just think that father time catches up to everybody, unfortunately. But <laughs> he's on a run right now, and, and I think... I don't think it'll hurt his life if he loses, but I just think it'll add another trophy case, another argument for those who want to say he's above Jordan. Um, and it, it'll definitely, I think it'll be like, yeah, I think it's based on the fact that they've gotten to the Western conference finals where they, where they started based on where they started this season. I think it's like house money for him right now. And that like, it was, it's impressive just that they got here. So, you know, if he can continue to win and, and, you know, make it to the finals or win the championship, that's just going to be icing on the cake. Um, but the last thing I wanted to touch on um, and hear your guys' thoughts on was the NBA draft lottery, which happened this past Tuesday as a recording. And the San Antonio Spurs were able to land the number one pick, um, which, of course, in this upcoming draft means likely Victor Wembanyama. So I just wanted to ask each of you what your thoughts were on the lottery in general and then what your thoughts are about Wembanyama likely going to the Spurs. Sorry there, Gabe Cooker. You're not getting him in Detroit. <laughs> that 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 was rough for Detroit. 17 wins, and then they dropped all the way to the fifth uh, pick. <laughs> you know what? That's that's what you get. That's honestly like that's what this was designed for. Was to yeah. like be like, look what could happen. You ding dongs. Like I whatever. At the least Spurs... they have their guy in in Kate Cunningham already. Whereas yeah. the Spurs don't really have anyone. <laughs> This uh, I have I have three things about the Spurs getting the the first is they're potentially getting a generational talent so good for them. my second point is how much longer does this mean Bob coaches because I mean <laughs> can't retire now <laughs> yeah I'm like he's gonna die as the Spurs head coach like I just don't think he's ever gonna they're never gonna let him go I, it is it just an insane thing to me and the the actual like I guess analyst part of this whole thing is is Victor Wimbanya do we really think he's gonna be able to survive because I think that's that's the question of like what where does he go and what does his career look like when you're like seven he's like seven four now seven three seven four um he's lanky it's not like he's built um does he survive getting by grown men every day in the NBA like at that young of an age is he going to be able to play the finesse game enough to where he's not getting bounced around? He's not getting hurt a bunch. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to compare him to Zion, but when you compare their body types, they're so different, right? You have one guy who's super tall, super lanky, and you have another guy who's like six, seven that wants to play center, but he's beefy. And those, those two body type combinations, we've seen injury after injury happen to those guys in the league. I mean, you look at a guy like Yao Ming, I know this was a long time ago. Sports science was a lot different, but he wasn't able to stay healthy. So what does he really look like coming into the NBA? I know everybody's super excited, but maybe Scoot Henderson's the more safe pick. Maybe he's a guy that actually gives you longevity in a career. He's a guy that you could build around and you don't have to worry about him being hurt all the time. 
Um, obviously, I don't think they're going to pass up on Wimbanyama. I think it's the whole goal of this whole thing. But it'll just be interesting to see what his career really turns out to be and if he's able to stay healthy and if he's able to bulk up a little bit, if that's good for him. You know, I just I, – I don't know what a – I don't know what a seven four guy looks like in the NBA. Like we've, I mean, we have seven footers, but I mean, the guy at what Taco Fall and Bull Bull, those guys were both like <laughs> like seven four, seven five, but those are guys that haven't been able to make it in the NBA. So not saying that. But at the same time, those guys were also like Zion for their own size. They're like big and beefy and they're slow. Whereas at least Taco, guys- yeah. Bulls, yeah. Bulbul's slender, more slender, but Bulbul's like literally slender, man. Like, but I mean, yeah, I just I don't not saying that Wimbanyama is not a better basketball player than those two, but when you compare body types, very similar. That more tall lanes, like that. Clearly, those guys are in and out of the league, or they're at the bottom of roster. I mean, so where does he really? I just want to know what his career turns out to be, and of how highly touted he is. Everybody looked at Zion the same way. Everybody looked at Ben Simmons the same way. Like they were like, this is the best prospect since LeBron James. And now this is the third guy that's that's people are saying that about. And the previous two have turned out to not like at least one's been a bust and the other one just can't stay healthy to be on the court. When he is healthy, he's a phenomenal player, but he just can't stay healthy. So what does this guy turn out to be? Everybody wants him to be the next, you know, young perennial all-star like LeBron that comes league, but is he gonna be able to do who knows? That's the that's the risk you take in the draft. So yeah, I think a couple things. I think um, yes, there has been that argument of best prospect one since LeBron. I think I think this guy clearly is the best prospect since LeBron. I think I think the hype for him and just what we've seen from him is you know more than Ben Simmons, more more than any of those guys. I think even more than Zion. Zion would be a close second. Um, but I think another thing to think about is that this guy has been playing professional basketball. I know it's for, I know it's in France. I know it's in Europe. It's not NBA basketball. Um, but this guy's been playing professional basketball for, I think, three, four years at this point. Um, so he's playing up against grown men. He's not playing against college guys. He's not playing against just high school guys. He has been playing up against grown men. And I, this is another reason I like him going to the Spurs is because they have such a good organization in the Spurs. I mean, uh, you know, of course they had those that dynasty, extended dynasty with with Duncan and Parker and those guys. But even when I when I think back to some of their stars, I mean, they have they've been kind of on the forefront of some of the sports medicine that's that's come through the NBA. I mean, of course they they kind of pioneered that load management towards Tim Duncan, the end of his career, uh, Kawhi. Um, when he was there, but I'm thinking back, you know, Tim Duncan, obviously not seven, four, he's a big guy, but even back to David Robinson, those were big guys. Those were beefier guys, which tend to get hurt more. And they didn't really have long injuries that kept them out. So um, I have confidence in the, in the Spurs organization more than some of these other organizations, uh, you know, that were in that, in that lottery realm. I think they just do a lot of things right there. Um, and so that's why I'm excited to see him go there. And I don't know. I just I just have a really good feeling about about this guy. Just I think because of and a lot of these other international guys, you know, that have been bust. Like I don't know. I'm thinking back to like Dragon Bender and even like Kristaps Porzingis and something like this. A lot of those guys were much more of mystery picks going in. 
uh, or, or even like Darko way back in the day, you know, in 2003, um, it was like, oh, you know, we got this, maybe some grainy film of them. We just have some like accounts of them going to see this guy's games are being aired on the NBA app and everyone is seeing him dominate this professional league. So I think he, the sky's really the limit for him. I don't know, you know, if he's going to go down as one of the all-time best players, but I think his potential is there. I think he's landing in a good situation with, with the Spurs organization. Um, you know, although he's not paired up with, you know, like LaMelo or, or Dame, if he would have, you know, if they would have jumped up, he doesn't have that guy to compete right away along with him. But I just trust in that organization. They've done so many things right over the years um, that I think it'll be a long and successful career for him. And I'm, and I'm hoping, uh, you know, he stays very healthy and, and injury free throughout his career. But I'm very excited to see him play. And not just him, it's a good good draft class behind him. Like you said, with Scoot Henderson, um, Brandon Miller, the Thompson twins, and even looking ahead to, to next year's draft class, it's, it's going to be a shaping out to be another good looking draft class. So it seems like we're going to have a lot of young and exciting players um, in addition to, to all the young and exciting players we already have in the NBA. So I think the future is bright for the, for the league in general. And this is just another step in that. All right. You guys have any other thoughts or anything you want to touch on before we wrap this one up? Sounds good. Well, thanks everyone who, who listened to us here. Uh, as we said, we are going to be super excited uh, to watch the rest of these conference finals and into the NBA finals. And then from there, all the craziness of, of the offseason, the draft, free agency. Um, but we'll be watching it and we'll, uh, you know, be talking about it every couple of weeks with you all. And so for everyone who listened, uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of Nothing But Net presented by Deep Dive Sports. And we will see you next time.